Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. We okay. got a guest. Yeah. Let's pay some bills. Happy Halloween, David. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. It's a very spooky time. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It depends on if I remember to email you on Sunday. Uh, so, okay. This is the, is this, uh, I haven't kept track kept track but this is probably maybe only the second time that our halloween episode is being released on halloween that uh i think it's happened once before yes uh but this is very exciting it is it always bums me out a little bit though when we do a halloween episode that comes out on halloween because i want to give people enough time to to take our suggestions of like horror movies and stuff uh and you're allowed to watch horror movies whenever Here's the thing. So my friend Scott from Chicago was just visiting. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And as we talked about on the uh, movie journal, I watched a bunch of horror movies with him. Okay. Uh, because... <laughs> as we will have talked about uh, no qu- yeah. <laughs> Don't let people behind the curtain. Um, but, uh, and he said that he's not much of a horror guy, but in October, it's not merely that he's then okay with watching horror. He feels... Uh, compelled to watch horror in October specifically, uh, for Halloween reasons. And so, uh, for some people, they don't care much about horror until Halloween comes along and then they can't get enough of it. All right. Well, I I say we make all autumn long horror time. Sure. There we go. All right. At least then, uh, you know, when I go to my local target, uh, if we do that, maybe then uh, Target will wait until at least November. I'll take I'll take November first uh, to put out like Christmas stuff. As of right now, at my local Target, they've got Christmas stuff right now. Yeah. As of a week ago, they're not even waiting until the idea of waiting until no- Thanksgiving is yeah. long gone. Yeah, because there's no market for Thanksgiving. That's uh, that's understandable. So you get all the t- Christmas decorations and stuff before thanksgiving mm-hmm. and then you do the christmas shopping for presents after thanksgiving with black friday right okay that makes I sense that, i guess that's the thinking i don't but, have to worry about anybody that but any there's that. I'm so not much anybody any presents oh <laughs> i bought you a great present wait did you no okay, um good. i mean we got a bunch of blu-rays here that i hope you're interested in <laughs> um so uh but no that's the thing is there's not much for thanksgiving but there's tons of halloween stuff costumes candy decorations yeah and uh, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, and they can't even wait until that's done. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, you. I just steer clear of uh target until I can't, <laughs> I love time. it too much. You do. I do. <laughs> um, I wish they were a sponsor cause, uh, I want to talk about how awesome they are, but here's the thing who is target's not a sponsor. No. I'll tell you who is. Okay. And in fact, um, an infinitely better sponsor cause they get it. They, they, they get it. And then some, this episode is brought to you by Mubi. Now, David, what is movie? I'll tell you. I was going to throw it to you, but I realized, no, I'm holding the copy. Uh, movie is a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, movie's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. All right, now, David, just in time for Halloween. Uh... There are a couple of uh, fun German expressionist classics available at Mubi right now, including F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu mm. and uh, Robert Vinay's The Hand of Orlock. Now, I'm familiar. I haven't seen that. I'm only familiar with The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which he also directed. Uh, but uh, The Hands of Orlock also um, 
stars Conrad Veidt, okay. uh, who is uh, an actor that the more I, the more German silent film I watch, the more acquainted I am with him. I, I saw The Man Who Laughs, and of course he is in Caligari, plays C- uh, Cesar, or Caesar, I don't know how you say it. But uh, anyway, so The Hands of Orlock and Nos- Nosferatu starring Count Orlock. Yeah. Different guys as far what as I can tell. What if it was Nosferatu? Norse for <laughs> where it's like an undead like Thor. Oh my gosh, you can't stop him! Uh, so these these and twenty eight more titles are available at movie dot com. And there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension, and it's a Halloween offer. What you can do is you can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie dot com. That's m u b i dot com slash Battleship to redeem now. Okay, admittedly that's the uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's movie. That's that's the Halloween offer. It's the same offer all the time, but yeah. it's scarier. Uh, and I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com or uh, imagine me saying tweaked, but it's the sound of a creaky door. Tweaked. Right? Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> I'm you glad go. you did it. Um, tweakedaudio.com where you can get uh, uh, frighteningly good sounding earbuds at a terrifyingly low and convenient cost. Um, and they do look great. They sound great. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost scared to tell you, uh, about how great these, <laughs> these earbuds are. Uh, they're available at a little low price at, at tweakedaudio.com. But, uh, if you have, uh, if you have the guts, um, oh. to <laughs> use the offer code pretension at checkout, uh, you'll get one third off that already low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Here's what I like. Okay. I like what we're doing here. We need to do this every Halloween episode where we do our own little uh, Simpsons credits thing where we just try to incorporate really cheesy, ham-fisted, and forced uh, Halloween references. So I would say I'm David Bax from the dead. There you go. And I'm, I can't think of what I would do. And I'm Tyler Smith, which is bad enough. <laughs> so, uh, well, I can't wait to introduce our guest. I know this is very exciting. Uh, who uh, I hope he has a spooky name uh, uh, ready for us. But he's Ooh. a he was a former sponsor of the show. That's and right. Just to make clear, sponsoring the show does not guarantee you a guest yeah. spot. Here's what needs to happen: if you sponsor the show in order to raise the funds to make a movie, and then you invite us to the movie. And we like the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the that crucial. last part is very important. <laughs> uh, if we like the movie, then yes, you you might be invited on the show. That's part of a, a book that I'm writing, which is you might be invited on the show if it's uh, not as funny as you might be a redneck. But uh, I'm working on it. Uh, let's welcome uh, former Battleship Retention sponsor and current <laughs> director of I was I was a teenage wear skunk, Neil McLaughlin, or. 
Neil McCoffin. Oh, nice. I was going to go Squeal McLaughlin, but yours is, that's more barnyard and horror. So, <laughs> yeah. But Neil McCoffin was great. I was that whole time you were. I was sitting. I spent the last two minutes trying to think of something, and you just man. Well, I still have nothing for Tyler. Tyler I know. Smith. It's I tough. Know. Yeah. It's part of ha- it's it's you know part of the curse of having a shitty name. <laughs> so uh, the problem with Smith is that it goes with everything because it's bland and uninteresting. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Neil, um, <laughs> Neil, explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I am terrific. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thanks for making the the trip up here. To, I was going to say and you, but you do, you do that thing at the beginning where it's like, yeah, how are you? Like we've already been there. Yes, you know? but you know what? Since I'm then, we might have changed. Hmm. I'm so in a better mood. How are you now. guys? Uh, so since, I'm, do, I'm, do, I'm doing the great. Opening of the show. I'm doing great. All right. uh, now you directed this movie. I did. Although I was a teenage wear skunk, I which did. is uh, as of the time people are hearing this is available on Amazon.com. Uh, that's right. This goes up Monday. Halloween? Yes, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. Uh, it will be. Uh, if you are listening Im- immediately, it will be uh, playing at the Los Feliz Three Cinema on Vermont Avenue. If you uh, happen to live in Los Angeles for the week of October twenty eighth to November third. Um, however, if you do not live in Los Angeles, or if it happens to be January when you're finally getting around <laughs> to this, it is uh, ex- right now exclusively on Amazon uh, for DVD, digital download, streaming. It is streaming for free on Prime. And uh, hopefully, if it's uh, months down the road, it'll also be available on iTunes, Netflix, and all those other places. But as of right now, exclusively on Amazon. Now, I want to talk about the movie. Yes. But first, I want to ask the questions that I ask all our guests, first-time guests. Okay. Um, where are you from? I am originally from Maine. Okay. The land of Stephen King. I know. King That's terrifying it's real, already. It's real scary up there. <laughs> uh, this is true. Have you ever met him? Uh, I have not. I, I had a pretty hard twitter campaign going after him when i was doing my kickstarter hoping that with the main connection and the you know the 50s monster movie that he might want to help out but never never got a reply i'm um, sure he's he's got a i'm sure he's kicking himself a now co- a couple million <laughs> once he read that la times review he's like oh i could have been on board now uh i don't want to get too much into politics at all that's not what we do here okay but um i don't know how long you've lived out here but being from maine um your governor's a psychopath <laughs> I cannot speak to that. I, we, you can get as into politics as you want to, because my, my, the level of politics, my, my knowledge of politics is zero. Okay. Well, like I uh, stay, then I won't, uh, I stay so, so far away. You yeah. can explain it to like, me. This is new to I'm me. I'm aware there's a Trump something there's <laughs> there. Yeah. It's, right. So what, uh, wait, okay. So what's going on? I don't know much about governors. Yeah. You'll have to educate me. Oh, his name's, uh, Paul LePage, I think. Okay. And he's essentially like, if, yeah. Donald Trump got elected. You he's, could have listed three different yeah. names and made me guess, and I wouldn't. I, <laughs> he's, wow. he's just a, a, yeah, a bigoted. Um, he's like he's like um, Rob Ford, the mayor of oh, uh, good. The late mayor of of Toronto. Except he's the governor. Rob Ford die. Yeah, Rob Ford died. Maine oh. is super liberal too. Um, like yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, anyway, like I said, I didn't want to get into it. Um, uh, I thought you might have some insight. Like when we have when we had Jeremy Woodcock, who is from Toronto, yeah. we definitely t- asked him about Rob Ford. Yeah, uh, but you didn't have any. I dropped. Out. I had a, I had a bad experience. I got really into politics around 2004, mm-hmm. 
And uh, I didn't like how that turned out. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know what? This is for the birds. That's, so that's I, the so, end of and it. I, well, you know, I kind of, I draw, you know, sometimes you'll, if something upsets you, you'll get away from it for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I just never came back. I was just like, God, life is much better. Like life is much better. Just not, you know, there's people that are really into this and they will go out and they will make the decisions. And, and I'm just going to sit back and accept, accept what's coming. I'm going to trust the American people <laughs> to decide for me. And I'm meanwhile, just going to wow. watch my movies and, you know, that's probably a better way to live. I wish I could live like that. And I've done a, I've done okay sitting out like all the debates uh, of this election and I think I'm I think I'm better for it uh, emotionally. I got school to go to. You know? <laughs> for sure. Oh, okay. Here's a follow page story. Okay. <laughs> um he, this is the main, the main. Yes, governor? he said okay. some racist stuff and a editorial uh, a newspaper writer uh, essentially called him a racist and Paula Page left a voicemail for <laughs> on this uh, reporter's phone where he um, uh, ordered or, or challenged him to prove them or, that I'm a racist. He said, I'm after you and he literally challenged him to a duel. <laughs> he said uh, he expressed his desire, I'm reading from the uh, Politico.com story, he expressed his desire to challenge the snot-nosed little guy from Westbrook to a duel in which he would point a firearm right between his eyes because he is a snot-nosed little runt and he has not done a damn thing since he's been in the legislature to help move the state forward. Okay, wow. here's the deal. You get the racism out of there, and I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was I, just I, thinking, I'm like, if I had a little more context, I might, I, it's possible I might like this guy. Yeah. I do like, uh, you know, I like that they elected Colonel Mustard uh, to run their state. Um, anyway. Um, but enough about that. Right, David? Yes. Uh, how long have you been uh, here in Los Angeles? Uh, ten years. Okay. Yeah, with a one hiatus. Where'd you go? I Well, I moved here from, well, I'm originally from Maine, and I lived there all my life until about 27, in which I packed up everything and I moved to Key West, Florida for the island life. I did that for a year, and then I came out here for a year, and things weren't going well, and I was... Uh, down to my last couple hundred bucks and I can this the economy was really bad and I couldn't get a job and I was I was struggling and a friend of mine who had visited me in Key West when I lived there before he called me up and he had just been laid off and had just broken off his engagement and this was or this was uh, December it was right before Christmas and he says let's uh right after Christmas let's pack up and let's go spend the winter in Key West and I was just like <laughs> in and I packed up the car drove back to Key West we spent the winter down there, but that, it, it, you know, it was it was great to go back, and it's it's sort of like spring break for adults down there. I don't know if you have ever been to mm. Key West, but it's insanity, and no, I was, was going to die if I'd spent any more time there. And you know, LA was calling to me; I was dreaming about it, and you know, so I'm so just I imagining like your what uh, straw hat drinking out of a coconut <laughs> gel. Yeah, I mean, it kind of the ocean all the time. It kind yeah, it's you'd sleep, you know, you sleep in and you kind of roll out of bed and you get some breakfast and probably have a mimosa, you know, something. Then you go sit on the beach and you drink your rum punches and then you clean yourself up in the afternoon and you go wait tables or bartend and you get out of there around midnight and then you, the bars are open till four and there you are and then you're asleep at 5 a.m. and it just and every single like every that sounds single terrific. Day. Yeah. If it weren't for the fact that it's probably super humid, right? It's not that bad. Like, no, it's not it's, like it's, what I think of as Florida is being no, because it's swampy. an island. So you're right, I mean, it's right. it's pretty much like it's just 92 
every single day but it's a it's a it's a small island so there's you know there's ocean all around and no i mean i mean it's hot don't get me wrong yeah. but it's it's not you know like when la gets unpleasant like that's so much more unpleasant than really? the worst you know hmm. day in key west as far as climate's concerned anyway but yeah so <laughs> that's a long way of telling you i've been here essentially for 10 years so uh, there's, but now there's, I just want to talk about living in. in I know the there's US. there's this element. There's a you like for a moment you started down like a, a film noir uh, situation. I know that there's Key Largo, but it's just you know I've had enough of this life. I'm going to go you know where things are easier, and then suddenly things aren't so easy. Like some <laughs> some dame like wanders in as you're like drinking out of a coconut or some shit. And that you you hear like so many people that end up there when you you know you. The, the question is uh, like the question you always get in LA is what do you do? Mm. The question you always get there is how do, how did you end up here? Yeah. <laughs> and the story you hear so often is people like I I came down for spring break with a bunch of friends and I just didn't leave. Like you hear that so often, <laughs> or or you came down for spring break, loved the hell out of it, and then as soon as you got the opportunity, you moved down there. It's just you know, but it 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 catches up to you. Like you're sitting here, like it sounds so much fun, and it is. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I'd spent the first time I was there, I spent a year and it nearly killed me. I was like, I have to get out of here or I'm going to die. And then I lasted only about three or four months the next time before I was like, yeah, this is a this is a bad idea. You just described the way people describe Alaska, which oh. is you people go there just to get away from things. And like, <laughs> how did you end up here? I don't even know, man. I just started drinking. But it's a bit of a climate difference. I think about that all the time. I'm like, one of these days, if I'm when I'm successful enough, I'm just going to pack it up. I'm going to get a little log cabin in Alaska where it's night, you know, 20 hours a day. And that does sound it sounds so great. But yeah, probably much like Key West after a year, you're ready to, you're, you're ready to, to I do think quits. I do think about that a lot. Not necessarily Alaska, although I'm not eliminating that. But just, I mean, obviously, like if 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 something ever happened, and like you know, and and Jen wasn't in my life anymore. Like if something terrible happened, and she passed away, or we got divorced. I was like, eh, there's not that much keeping me here. I mean, I guess you know, there's the podcast, but you know, that's not paying any anything. And so it, I could I could just go to Alaska and just get away from everything. That's what I, I would want to do. I'm starting to like sell myself on this key west thing like i feel like i could go you know eat breakfast at three drink in the shade um help uh you know unload a drug smuggling boat onto the beach sure i'm assuming, I'm assuming that's a big thing there it's a great spot and it's it's one of those i mean it's it's uh Oh, you'll, and you'll hear stories about people, you know, scuba diving or snorkeling and finding like kilos of coke that were dumped from a, <laughs> from a raid or whatever. Man, um, oh man! But yeah, it's 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 a cool, and it's one of the. It's like you know, it's super touristy, but there's like an underbelly, you know, that once you're there oh, long sure. enough, you learn, you get to know the locals and the spots to go. And I mean, it, yeah, no, now I'm getting the, <laughs> I'm, getting the <laughs> I'm like, screw this movie biz. I'm Neil, gonna go back Neil, to, Neil, come back, come back, go back to Key West. Um, so how did you get from there to making a uh, horror spoof? Um, Are you well, a horror movie guy? I am a horror movie guy. Okay. Always Good, have been. Because this like, is our Halloween a, episode. Yeah, yeah. From a, from a very young age, I've uh, been a horror movie guy. And let's see, I was originally, in my 20s, I was, a, I was a singer-songwriter. And that's actually how I landed in Key West was because I was, you know, not that I was a big fish, but Maine is a small pond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my friends were all kind of starting to get married and have kids. And I was, my lifestyle was getting a little phased out. And I had heard that Key West was a place where, you know, again, it's all bars and there's, you know, some, some guy or, or woman singing and playing a guitar in every one of them at all times, you know? 
Uh, so I went down there to do that and I did, and, uh, I was, uh, you know, supporting myself doing it. Um, but I just, uh, it, what it, it, I, I don't know that it kind of, I, I sort of started losing interest in it and I, okay. you know, I was getting in, you know, into my later twenties and, you know, you're playing in, in a place like Key West, it's, you know, everybody wants Jimmy Buffett covers or like John Mayer was big at the time and like Dave Matthews and, you know, you're not really, you're not. You know, right. if, you're, if you're trying to be the next, you know, Bruce Springsteen or Tom Waits or something, it's not going to happen there. Um, and so, and, and, uh, anyway, what was the original question? Oh, so yeah. So I sort of lost interest in that. And, and I actually moved out here thinking I was going to move to San Francisco. Um, cause I had never been to California Fran- San Francisco just seemed like it would be a little more my, my speed, but I stopped here first to visit a friend and I stayed with her for about a week, and then I did end up moving to San Francisco for a short while. But I just I fell in love with Los Angeles while I oh, was wow. here, and and uh, I came back. Pretty, I, I I lasted about three months or so in San Francisco, and came back and just got bit by. I'd always been a writer, you know, be it you know writing songs or short stories, or I used to draw my own comic books when I was a kid or whatever. Um, but then I when I landed in L.A. and you know obviously everything is just movies, 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 movies. Mm-hmm. And I just I fell in love with screenwriting. Like I, 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 that first year I was here, I must have written four or five screenplays, you know. And they're mm-hmm. you know they're terrible. I was learn you know I was learning <laughs> learning how to do it. Um, but yeah, and here we are. Um, well now, uh, why why I want to get back to horror movies, but I also want to ask why is uh, why a comedy? Ah. <sighs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just just because <laughs> I mean, I have several several scripts. Some are, you know, I've always geared more towards the the comedy. I actually don't. I've never been scared by horror movies. OK, I just don't I don't find them frightening. Like I'm more scared by something. Um, you know, I was I was talking on a, I did another podcast a few weeks ago and I was sort of talking about the same thing. Like Red Dawn scared me as a kid because that was something <laughs> like that could happen. Like the uh-huh. people jumping out of the plane and shooting you it was like, you know, as a kid, you know, that when I was a kid, it was still, you know, the the end of the Cold War and nukes. Right. And I mean, that was scary to me. But like I knew there wasn't a Freddy Krueger or like I knew like, you know, if if Regan's head spun around like that in The Exorcist, it would pop off. Like, you know, it just like it just like I was just never been scared by them. So as much as I love horror movies, I've I've always in my own horror stories leaned a little more towards the comedy because to me, they're just not, you know, they're not scary. But it also I mean, it's a cliche at this point, but that's because it's true to say that in order to spoof a genre i don't know if you uh, if you consider this a spoof of the of the of the oh, monster teenage homage film. perhaps <laughs> um, parody but in order, in order to do that you have to love it oh without a doubt without a doubt um yeah and i think this you know i get asked a lot if um you know if i've seen a lot of these movies these you know classic b monster movies and you know i have but not it's not you know an obsession of mine or a, or a genre that i'm even really that well-versed on like a lot of this came more from like Nick at night type stuff. Like, like leave it to beaver is like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite shows or Uh even like the Brady bunch. I know that's not quite the era, but just that sort of wholesome, like the Andy Griffith show. I still almost every night I fall asleep watching the Andy Griffith show on TV land. So I think a lot of it, Andy Griffith is, I would say, Top, at least top 10 all-time sitcoms. It's, unbe- it's unbelievable. And just, and I, and I know I realized like the fifties, like I know there were, you know, there were like racism was all around and women weren't treated that well. And I know it wasn't this ideal time that, that we kind of look upon it mm-hmm. 
as but at the same time like the way these like the guy like Andy Griffith like the the keys to the jail are right next to the cell like the guy can reach out and let himself out of jail in the morning when he's sober up like it's just it's great um so yeah I don't know I've just I've always loved that stuff I mean the idea for for where skunk came because I love I love slasher movies um it's probably my favorite subgenre of horror mm-hmm. And again, I love this sort of leave it to beaver type thing. And I, and I woke up this one morning, this was a while, this was maybe nine or 10 years ago. I woke up this one morning with just this idea, because, you know, in, in movies, you're always trying to think, you know, you know, it's this meets this and you're trying to pair up two right. things that shouldn't go together and et cetera. Uh-huh. And I just had this idea like, oh my God, I've got it. I've got it. A slasher movie, but set in like leave it to beaver America. And I, like, I thought that was so brilliant. I was so excited about that idea. I literally, I shot up out of bed. I grabbed the laptop and I wrote like 40 pages right then and there. Wow. Um, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, it didn't quite work or at least I couldn't make it work. What I was doing wasn't working. It just didn't like sort of the juxtaposition that I liked about it wasn't actually working in, in practice again, at least the way I was presenting it. Um, and so I scrapped it for a while, but it all, it kept, I liked what I had written and like, you've seen the movie. It opens with, you know, that teen at lo- teen, the two teens at lovers lane right, and, yeah. and you know, the old, the old campfire story of the guy with the hook for a hand and go right. out and check and blah, blah, blah. That's what ended up in, in the final movie is almost word for word. What I had written in that original script. Like I just, I just, there was some, I just loved the, I loved the setting and I loved the dialogue and I always really wanted to go back to it. But again, it's just this. You know, my my serial, my slasher story about a serial escaped mental patient named Wade the Blade. It was, it was, it was just this guy that was great with a knife. Uh, it just wasn't, you know, and every year or so I'd pull it out and kind of read through it and be like, ah, like trying to get it going again. And then one day I just had another eureka moment where I was like, well, it has to be a monster. Like, that's the problem is like these things just don't fit together. Like mm-hmm. I originally thought that was what was going to make it cool, but it's like it's not. It's just, it's just not working. It needs to be a monster. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh, and you decided up, to incorporate some songs. Up the, uh, came up with the idea of the werewolf. <laughs> yeah, um, that was uh, the, the the the. I was a teenage werewolf. Um, right. I watched you know several times to try to inspire myself. And there is a scene where it's a bunch of teens like hanging out. They're not they're not at a malt shop like in my movie, but they're I think they're just having a party in some place and they just all of a sudden break out into song and like this was a horror movie that was trying to scare people like this was not a parody of anything like this was a genuine horror movie but the teens just all of a sudden just get up and you know the music just appears out of nowhere and they start singing and dancing and um were there any other teen 50s 60s monsters movies you watched for preparation besides i was a teenage werewolf yeah i you know the, there's a they're all available. Like the great thing, like YouTube, they're all just there and there's, you know, mm-hmm. nobody's really chasing them down of, for rights issues, right. you know? So, I mean, and there was a, there's a, you know, I was a teenage zombie and I was a teenage Frankenstein. Like there's a whole, I was a teenage <laughs> genre, but you know how YouTube does where you'll search. I was a teenage were skunk or werewolf rather. And then it'll give you suggestions on the side and be uh-huh. like, Oh, you should watch this and you should watch this. So yeah, I spent a good, um, you know, and again, this was, you know, years ago at this point, but yeah, I mean, I probably watched, yeah, 15, 20 different, <laughs> different ones of them. Well, and, and one thing that strikes me about uh, your film is that it does seem to focus in more so than those movies do or even could on the teenage part. Sure. Uh, that, you know, I think those those older films used, like, I was a teenage blank uh, because, like, okay, well, now we just, we we can engage in, like, hip teenage culture and but ultimately it's just a normal monster movie but you seem to 
be interested in the idea. It's like, yeah, but at, when you become a teenager and you know well, you're interested in new in things, the, and in the fifties, that was kind of a new concept. Like the the idea of the teenager, like wasn't mm-hmm. really a thing. It was like you sort of you turned fourteen, you know, and then you you started working or you went off and you had babies or what, you know, like yeah. the, the, the whole idea of teen culture. I think came up. You know, and I, I don't. I'm not a historian on the subject, mm-hmm. but I just know that in the in the in the fifties, like that was a the idea of the teenager was a sort of a brand yeah. new thing. That does you sound know? right. I can't think of any movies, drama, comedy, or or sci-fi or, uh, or otherwise from like the 1940s right. or and earlier that featured sure. teenagers and adults. They they were kind of scared of it. You know, you look at Rebel Without a Cause, yeah. and like they, they were frightened. This rock, you know, this Elvis, and this, you know, and that, you know, they're listening to the black music, and like, you know, like they're putting grease in their hair, and I mean, it was scary. You know, like the teenage, like you know. And the one thing that about like werewolves or, or any horror movies about like a meta, some kind of metamorphosis or something like that is that there 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 can always be a fun uh, analogy element to it. I remember I was watching um, Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Sure. And that one actually wound up being like a wonderful little metaphor for just like a midlife crisis. Does that hold up? I haven't seen it. I, I, think I so. liked it at the time. I haven't seen it in years. I think though. so. It's directed by Mike Nichols, who's a, sure. who's a, I think an intelligent yeah. director. And I'm not sure if I'd say it's particularly scary, no. but I think it works from a, from a dramatic standpoint and certainly from a metaphorical standpoint. Nicholson and, was kind of born to play a werewolf. Like it, <laughs> it's sort of amazing. It took that long for it to happen. And, and the, the, the villain of the film is James Spader. And I remember saying this a long time ago on the podcast is that he, where the film is frightening is when he's on screen, because then when he's a werewolf, he's scary and slimy because he's James Spader as a werewolf. Uh, and they're not hidden under that much makeup, right. but, uh, I'm going to revisit. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember like uh, seeing it and thing like, Oh, I, cause I remember people didn't really care for it yeah, that much. That's, at the time. That was my recollection, but I, yeah. I, I, li- I liked it too. So that's yeah. why I was wondering if, if it holds up and there's stuff where, you know, it's this, it's very, it, it's sort of like a horror about Schmidt because he's this guy who's like kind of stuck in a shitty job and, but he, he's sort of a sort of spineless guy who doesn't even want to, who doesn't want to ask for a raise or a promotion or anything like that played by Jack Nicholson of all people. Uh, but then he gets this uh, this werewolf gene in him, and he he's he's like pissing on the shoes of his uh, competitors and stuff. And he's suddenly good at basketball. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that so that was a that was an interesting uh, uh, variation on on the idea of like the where whatever it might be as you know, a nice metaphor for, for a, a life in transition. And that's what teenage, that's what the teenage years are all about. It's why we all hated them so much. I kind of like that. That's bringing the, bringing the monster into like the corporate world. Like, a, yeah. like, like, you know, the devil's advocate isn't quite that, but you know, it's sort of like Satan is a lawyer, you know, yeah. like, yeah, that's a neat idea. The Wolf um, of Wall Street really, <laughs> really disappointed me. <laughs> Not what you were expecting. Somebody has to have like, I don't know if, if like straight to video exists anymore, but there had to have been like a werewolf of Wall Street thing, right? Just based on when I used to work at Blockbuster, the sheer number of just shitty straight to video movies. I'm sure there's a college humor sketch. That stands to reason. Yeah. If nothing else, there's that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, 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 the teenage thing, you know, you're talking about these werewolf uh, or where whatever metaphors. Um, 
but the the teenage thing is uh, that is both in these movies and in your movie is very much about sex mm-hmm. and sure. about uh burgeoning horniness um and uh and this transformation as a as a metaphor for that and it's uh i i appreciated that um uh, as a as a diehard buffy the vampire slayer fan sure uh finding uh, teenage metaphors and horror and monsters um so i appreciated that when i was watching it but i also uh, i appreciated that you were i i feel like in the, the movie is as as much as it is a non-stop comedy you're treating that seriously seriously like mm-hmm. that really is the theme of the movie right that there's so much sex in the movie mm-hmm. not that there's actual sexual intercourse in the movie but every scene is sort of informed by the character's sexual longings or the other character's sexual longings yeah i mean it was you know structurally it was um you know i took a very a very classic sort of three-act structure you know as and you know granted it didn't it you know didn't go down as many avenues plot wise as a more plotted movie would i mean this but but um yeah, like the 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 structure of the movie, or like the you know the beats, or like the you know the save the cat, if you will, is it's all structured around that, like that idea mm-hmm. that you're talking about, and then that's just the skeleton on which to hang any kind of joke I could possibly <laughs> hang yeah. on it, you know. But you have to start from like even you know I get compared to airplane a lot, like not not in quality, but just in sort of the type of thing that we're doing. Yeah. And airplane, while it is just joke after joke after joke after joke after joke, that's not going to work without without the structure of you know the guy who was a, he used to be a pilot and then something bad happened and now he's afraid yeah. to fly and then now there's a there's a, a food poisoning outbreak or it's been, it's been a while since I've seen it but there's yeah. some sort of outbreak on the plane. I mean you know there's yeah. a, there is a story there that actually could be like you could take that same frame give it to another group of writers and say, okay, make this a disaster movie, which I guess yeah. is kind of what they did in reverse. They did it, yeah. They right. actually bought the rights to remake an actual disaster exactly. movie. So that's a bunch of jokes. In. So that's exactly what this is. Like this could have been written as an actual, you know, it's sort of a coming of age and, you know, going through puberty and learning about this, or, you know, it could have just been a straight up sex comedy. I mean, like, there's that structure in which it could have gone several different ways, you know, but like you kind of need that spine, you know, but I guess I feel like by having, I don't want to, I know analyzing comedy is a way to kill it, but, uh, by having that as the spine and having all the, the secondary and tertiary characters, um, being also defined by their own sexual peccadilloes or longings, it becomes, uh, I found the movie to be a very sex positive movie. (laughs) That's a spin on what was probably a pretty sex negative subgenre of horror movies. Right where sex was the the thing that was to be feared. You're talking about adults fearing teenagers, right? Um, and and that was what made them scary to them. And here you've got a movie where the character is scared of his sexual awakening, but his parents, his button down parents, yeah. are like super comfortable with one another and, and and kinky and have a really super healthy yeah. sex life. Yes, they do. <laughs> and yeah, and the and the the girl is. Uh, uh, the, or the, his love interest is, you know, Curtis, the main character, the were skunk. He's the one that's really repressed. And he's, t- I mean, the whole movie is about, he wants to ask this girl to be his steady and mm-hmm. he's scared to do it. I mean, that's what the movie is about like, yeah. more so than somebody turning into a skunk and <laughs> killing people. Like the movie is about this boy who's uh-huh. terribly shy and he's crazy about this girl and he wants to ask her to be his steady, but he's scared. 
Um, yeah, and but she's the aggressor. Like she's the uh, one that's always hinting, like, "Hey, we can do this if you want," or hey, you know, she's always <laughs> kind of dropping hints, like, "Hey, come on, like let's let's you know." And there is a there is a genuine sweetness to their relationship, and that's, I mean, I'm I, I love airplane and i love movies that are just like a, a an absolute joke machine but at the same time uh and and the nature of this film would have allowed that and that's it that is what it is and yet there's still i still found myself caring about these characters and caring about these relationships even in the midst of absolute absurdity uh and so i think that's one of the things that i liked about it if it was purely this sounds this sounds shitty. If it were purely like a disposable comedy where there's no no level of audience investment, then I'd be like, hey, that was funny, and we'd probably still have you on, and be a, it'd be a delight. But at the same time, there is enough going on underneath the surface and relationally that I felt like there was something to latch on to uh, emotionally as a viewer. So... Good job. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, it's I, weird to be uh, telling. It's I don't know. Is it weird to have two people saying like, "Here's what else is great about your movie," <laughs> or is that uh, an encouraging thing? Uh, it's slightly. I mean, this is a new, you know, this is a new experience for me. It's my first movie, and it's mm-hmm. you know, I'm just releasing it to the world now, so I haven't had a lot of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's something I'll I'll uh, I'm sure I will I will digest it <laughs> further <laughs> once, once the mics are shut off. But yeah, it's a. Uh, um, well, I want to, uh, you know, as much as I want to talk about, I was a teenage worst the whole time. I also want to ask you about your personal, uh, favorite horror movies. Oh, uh, okay. I would say I really love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. the original. Now, around here, we are very careful to refer to it as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. Because it is too... It is two words. Yeah, uh, on, on screen. Yeah. Chain is it saw. a chain from Texas saw a massacre. Is that what it's, <laughs> is that what it's getting across? If I've misunderstood this movie the whole time, and uh, yeah, and uh, as as we talked about uh, on the uh, on the uh, movie journal, I did recently rewatch uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and for you? amazing as always, yeah, right? as always. Oh, so just raw. Like, yeah, it's just like it. Ugh. It's just like like you skinned your knee and then you just took sandpaper to it and just like it is. That's what the movie like does to your brain. There is. Yeah. I feel like Toby Hooper like jumped a decade of like what should have been like horror progression yeah. to make this movie. Like how did he even think to make, to, to, to depict murder that way or to choose these shots or make this, these sound choices. Like it seems, it seems like it was ahead of its time. Yeah, and I wonder like how much of it was, cause I mean, we've all heard the stories about how, just how miserable it was for the cast and yeah. everybody. And it was hot and you know, they were, they were working you know, 30, yeah. right. 30 hours in a row with no sleep. And I mean, was that, you know, was that hit? Did he intend that? Like, did he do that on purpose? He's like, let's make these people as miserable as possible. And then we'll, you know, we'll get the best performances. Or was it just, they were in a time crunch and they had no money. And this is just how it had, you know, did he just get lucky that it turned out that way? You know, or was that planned? I'm I'm sure there's a time crunch element to it, but then while they're there, I'm sure Toby Hooper is like, I'm sure this smell of rotting meat is not hurting, uh, (laughs) the vibe, uh, of these actors. Um, and the fact that like Gunnar Hansen, cause, uh, uh, sure enough, after I watched the movie, I watched like the hour long making of, and 
uh, Gunnar Hansen, who plays Leatherface, was talking about how you know he's in this suit and he's got his mask, uh, but that they didn't have the budget for a second costume. And oh, so right. they didn't wash it because, you know, if you mm-hmm. wash it, right. who knows what could happen? They need to be able to have it match. So they're in this, you know, 100 plus degree heat. And he was a larger guy. I wouldn't say he was like a big fat guy or anything, but he was a larger guy who was sweating a lot. And he said that, you know, he said, he goes, it really stank. He goes, and I wish I could, I wish I could say otherwise, but it was mostly me. <laughs> uh, and so, and that's the thing is leather face smells you know it's the it makes sense that the character would smell and then the actor playing him also smelled like it just so i'm sure it didn't i'm sure it did not hurt what toby hooper was trying for that was uh the same thing happened with the skunk costume (laughs) not kidding it was you know a lot of these days were you know 95 degrees and he's right you know there's a lot of anytime he's the skunk he's running around and chasing people and uh yeah there was um when we finished principal there was it was several weeks before we needed the costume again for a pickup of of some sort and it was in a bag and you can just oh. imagine when I opened up that bag and it was like it was I, I, I can't even describe it. It was like Leatherface just crawled out. And I did. I did. Uh, before we get back into Texas Chainsaw, which I'm perfectly happy to do because I think it's a masterpiece. But um, I did have a, a question about um, all of the actors involved. Mm-hmm. You always, I'd say in almost any comedy, you need the actors to be really willing to do any number of things and do it with full commitment. But there's so much silliness here uh, from characters that I actually won't even say because I don't want to spoil anything. But what I will say is that the main actor, was it Scott Monaghan? Yeah. Uh, who's the, the, he plays the were skunk. You know, there comes moments, there, there comes a, you know, several, there come moments when um, he has to act like this skunk and he has to, you know, transition into this silly thing. You know, this is not a, this is not a, a American werewolf in London or something like that, where once the transformation has happened, it's, it's not really the actor anymore. Or, I don't know, it's, it's just so silly <laughs> That did were there ever moments when when Scott or any of these other uh, actors that were requir- required to do uh, strange things were there ever moments when they just said like Neil can I can we do something different here or where were they all just like I'll do whatever you want yeah no absolutely not and I would not have cast them if I saw if if yeah. I, if I sensed that that would be the case you know you yeah. had like because of what this was. I mean, it's a silly. I mean, it's called "I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk." When you sign on to do "I Was a Teenage <laughs> Wear Skunk," you have to know <laughs> what you're getting yeah. into. And yeah, and it was you know it was it was very small budget, and it wasn't the best. You know, there was it wasn't a union thing. It wasn't always the best working conditions. And mm-hmm. you know, I vetted my cast very carefully. You know, everything needed to be perfect. You mm-hmm. know, every every choice needed to be meticulously made correctly. Uh, otherwise, because it's, it's a house of cards and it wouldn't have taken much for just the whole thing to crumble. Like mm-hmm. everything was just shoestring the whole way. So no, I was actually very conscious of that when casting people, you know, and we did a lot of, I had a lot, you had a lot of like, you know, taking them out for coffee and just being like, okay, now like, you know what this is, right? And, you know, a lot of table yeah. <laughs> reads and just making sure that people were fully on board, Yeah, you know, before. And I, you know, I did, there was a couple of people that I had to replace because I was like, I don't know if they, I don't think this is for them. You know, I don't think this is going to work out. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah. Cause even if, even if it's like a smaller, I mean, early in character, the process. Yeah. Know, right. No, it's like halfway through like, all right, guys, <laughs> got to do some reshoots. It's just not right. Um, 
Yeah, like even a smaller supporting character in a scene that, and they're just holding back a little bit where everybody else is just giving giving it their all, that can take an audience out of absurdity more so than just... Uh, than like actors who don't know their lines. Right. Um, and everybody, well, maybe not that much, but, uh, but yeah, everybody in this film is 100% committed. Yeah. We need to talk specifically about (laughs) Melanie. Yes, yes, we do. And how much of, I have to correct you. It's Minichino. And I had been calling, I had been calling her Minichino for years and she, (laughs) we recorded a commentary for this about a a couple months ago. Uh And, uh, she she it was during the commentary where she corrected me for the first time I'm like i've been calling you minichino for years i've been like doing publicity for the movie calling you minichino like why did you never say my name is minichino she just shrugged eh. so anyway it's, um, it's minichino she's uh, like we say uh, everyone is terrific but she is making choices that yeah. I, I have to imagine could not have been on the page like did you know her beforehand and say do this weird no. thing you do or did she start doing it and you were like okay no what originally um uh that part for deputy gary i had written it for uh do you know as a buffy fan um i i knew this guy uh severio who played uh what is it was it nick who the bar there's the bar in buffy where oh, the yeah, vampires yeah. go and the, the bartender uh, willie willie yeah he was the original Willie. They, they, for some reason, in later episodes, it wasn't him anymore. But anyway, the, his name is Severio. He's a, you know, he's a little Italian guy, uh-huh. and he was on uh, Becker, I think. Anyway, okay, yeah. But he's just, you know, this. Um, and I had written the part for him. I wanted like this really fast talking sort of Joe Pesci type. Oh, Italian I know the guy. guy. You're t- I know the you know guy. Know you're what I'm talking, talking about? about. Yeah. For some reason, I Becker did it. I know who you're talking <laughs> about. Um. So, but he ended up he ended up moving to New York. Um. Well before this ever went into production. Um, and so when, when, uh, the choice to cast Melanie, I'd still want, I still always heard Gary as this, you know, fast talking Joe Pesci type. And, um, so we get to the first table read and she goes, you know, I've been, and I hadn't told her yet. Uh, you know, this was just a cold read. Like people uh-huh. hadn't been officially cast yet. It was just, I invited a bunch of people to read and, uh, she goes, yeah, I've been, you know, I've, I've thinking, I, I've got this thing for Gary like this weird voice I came up with it's kind of like sort of this creole like I don't even know I, was I don't gonna even say, know what it's it is Cajun, yeah, yeah. she's uh-huh. like there's, she's like there's and uh I was like yeah you know give it a shot like go for it and and the rest is history like I never <laughs> I never once presented the idea of the fast talking Joe Pesci like we never even tried it it was just like okay like you like that is deputy Gary like yeah she and yeah she, it was you know the easiest directing I've ever had to do. Cause it was just like, okay, Melanie go, <laughs> you know, when and, she, when she shows up first off, just like, you know, obviously a, a woman with a mustache, very hastily thrown <laughs> on her face. Um, my first thought was, uh, you know, and no offense, cause, uh, this, this might wind up being the, the thought of a lot of people and I'm definitely won over pretty much immediately. But my first thought was, what come on (laughs) like now you're just being now you're just being silly and then oh if only i'd known how silly you were going to get with deputy gary i just it's it's like look i know that this film is not eligible for the oscars well technically well i guess it is it's it's getting it yeah absolutely okay we're gonna do our best here (laughs) for your consideration yeah the supporting Uh, Actress. Actress, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dual role, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Right. So well, why are you asking me? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The director. Yes. That's right. I forgot. She plays two um, roles. She was actually supposed to play three, but she was, um, she was pregnant at the time oh. and didn't want to do that. She was going to be one of the, one of the, the, the women in the pool right. that get yeah. chased around. Cause I wanted to, she, you she, wanted her to be your Peter self. Absolutely. She made this, um, well, I cast her as deputy Gary because she did this web series, um, called Maurizio or the Maurizio show. I have you, since have you, watched have you this, found yes. it? <laughs> where she plays an old Italian gentleman and she puts on a wig and a mustache and she plays this man. And I, I, yeah, so you've seen some of it. <laughs> yeah. It, some of it is so funny. And so that's when it occurred to me, like, wow, like, because I originally wanted her to play the mother. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right, forget the mother. Like, she's going to play Deputy Gary. Like, this is great. Like, you know, like, this is perfect. Um, but then she sent me this uh, character reel, which is a, a, actually included as a special feature on the DVD. Mm. Um, where it, you know, it's just it's a demo reel of her just playing a bunch of different characters. And she, I actually saw her. That day, um, we had a coffee, and she was on her way to go shoot this thing. And she just made it all up as she went along. Like she just, she would just put herself in these wigs and these costumes and stuff, and just be these characters. And you know, she does but like twelve different characters, and it's just her in front of a camera, just <laughs> improvising. You know, men, women, different ethnicities and nationalities. And it was so funny. Like I was on the ground laughing watching this thing, and I was like, "All right, I'm putting her in. I'm going to put her in so many different roles." But the problem was, <laughs> so I had her as the mom, and I had her as Deputy Gary. Those two characters are pretty much, yeah, because I, I, yeah, I didn't have the budget to do any sort of split screen stuff where she's right. interacting with herself. So they needed to be characters who were never on the screen together. And so the only other character I could have given her was one of the, uh, was one of the, uh, the two women who. Um, who the beatnik and Curtis take to the? That's right. Is it weird for like I don't know? Like, is it weird for listeners like not having seen the movie? Is this a strange conversation to hear, or is this something they come I, back to later? Well, when, if anything, I seen it? I hope that we are doing a good job of selling. I know. I'm just. I'm, to never, the I'm never sure. Like, what should I say? This is this a spoiler? Like, I don't yeah. you know. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to say about it. But yeah, there is. Uh, and you know what? I'll uh, we'll we'll do this real quick before we get back to Texas Chainsaw and other. Oh, okay. Things. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw. So <laughs> we do have uh, Neil was nice enough to bring uh, some copies some dvd copies of i was a teenage wear skunk we and there are, we've got two of them <laughs> plus a copy of foul play which is just for tyler <laughs> yeah that one it's it might be in this stack here but that one's just for me um listener it may wind up being sent to you by accident sorry um and so uh so yeah we it's got it has commentary and it has this uh this uh, uh character, reel? character reel and so uh we want to give these away to we want to give these two copies away so here's how we're going to do this we're going to have a sort of trivia question slash riddle so the first two people that can answer this with the correct answer and by the way there are two possible answers yes email Tyler at uh, at battleshipretention.com. That's correct. So I'm going to ask this question and the first two people to email me the correct answer. And your again, address. And, and your, oh yes, yes. Not my address. They don't know my address. <laughs> no, um, no. The first two people to guess Tyler's address. No, yes. Answer Tyler's question and put your address so we can send you the DVD. Indeed. Uh, so here, here right. it is. Listeners, whom did I see walking with the queen? Whom did Tyler see walking? Yes. With the queen. There are two possible answers here. All right. Tyler, battleship, All right. <laughs> um, 
Did you want to say you had more to say about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> I have tons to say about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I recognize that there are other movies. We Before can we get too far, about. it just occurred to me. I don't think you said today. Let's get into it, shall we? Oh, uh, let's get into it, shall we? All right. I've a- I asked on a recent episode, like how many times have I forgotten to say it? Yeah, I think um, you said it. And I don't yeah, know if you said it with Asterios either. Actually, uh, it would appear that that post five hundred, you no, oh. thank you. Yeah, maybe it's yeah gone, fallen by the by the wayside. No, I'll get I'll get back into it. I mean, it I, has run its course. I, I stole it to begin with, so uh, that is true. Yes, yeah, from where? Uh, there was a show, and I'm forgetting the guy's name, but there was a show that was Midnights on Saturdays on uh, KDHX 88.1 Community oh, wow. Radio in um, St. Louis, Deep Missouri, where I, where I grew up. And there's a show at Midnight on Saturday, night, Saturday Nights called The Wayback Machine that played punk and garage music um, that I loved. And they'd play a bunch of songs, and then they'd back announce the songs and do every, every, uh, whatever announcements, and then the, and the host would say, let's get back into it, shall we? Uh, and that's, uh, where I, that's where I stole that from. Well, we got to be careful not to talk music on this show because the listeners might destroy each other. Uh, I don't know if you've been, I don't know if you've been checking out the comments of that old Asterios episode. Oh, and we got, I I love that people are talking metal (laughs) on the battleship. And they are, and they're adopting a very metal attitude in some ways. Speaking of metal the grateful dead <laughs> oh i just saw the skull and the uh boston bruins the, logo the grateful, yeah uh sorry so yeah not metal grateful indeed. dead indeed furthest thing from metal right. the grateful dead okay we'll get back into the comments okay good here's the thing about the grateful dead Uh-oh. um well no i mean yes the music's terrible but um oh this no. room is about to turn <laughs> into the comment section um the Grateful Dead, and I, this is something that uh, my that the uh, radio host Tom Sharpling has talked about before. I'm not fully admitting that I'm murdering, but, uh, you know, this is not an original thought. Too many logos. There are too many Grateful Dead logos. There's not like just one, like, you know, Black Flag there's, has like the four bars thing or whatever. But Grateful Dead has too many logos. No, there's they got the skull, skull and the dancing bears. Yeah, there's more. There's other ones that I'm not thinking of right now. Well, they, there's definitely an, an iconography because there's the there's like the, the yeah, full like, skeleton. Like, that's like Iron Maiden. Around. Like, they kind of, you know, it's all sort but of Iron same, Maiden just variations has of the same thing. It's Eddie. Hmm. Right. I think what you're thinking of is Geico. Geico has too many, yeah, uh, yeah, mascots. No question. Um, yes, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the Grateful Dead. Um, so much so, I didn't even recognize their logo. And you know, I I'll say this uh, <laughs> in regards metal. In regards to metal, <laughs> uh, but it's also a Boston Bruins T-shirt at the same time. It is. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were a Boston Bruins fan. Well, I'm uh, from Maine, which okay. uh, about 45 minutes from Boston. And really, if you're anywhere from New England, you it's in your blood. Yeah. Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots. This, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Um, I'm not uh, having to keep my eye on the Eastern Conference so far this year. We're only about a week and a half into the the NHL season. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how. Um, but I know um, former I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. Former captain David Backus was treated, traded to your uh, Boston Bruins in the offseason. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention. Is I have not. I have okay? not. With the, when it comes to uh, poor Tyler, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very fair weather with the hockey. Like it's when when, okay. when the playoffs roll around, it is like on my desert island sporting event to watch would be the the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. But as far as like regular season, like I kind of like I peek at the standings and et cetera. But I just it's it's too much. I'm more I'm more I'm more into the Celtics, which happens okay. at the same time. But you were happy back in 2011, was it when the Bruins won? 
right? Yeah. And then two years later, we went back. And yeah, I mean, when one, once 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 it gets going, I'm there. Like I'm 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 every single game. I don't miss I don't miss a second. But yeah, um, it's, it's got. A, I'm I'm fair weather. It's got once the playoffs start. The thing I remember about that um, Tyler just left uh, about that uh, <laughs> winning season from the Bruins is uh, goalie Tim Thomas, sure, who was a fantastic goalie, but also mm-hmm. not to get back into politics, yeah, uh, he, tea party type of yeah, guy. To wait, what? I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> the goalie I heard politics. The, yeah, the goalie for the Bruins. Um, it's tradition uh, in many sports in America. The winning team uh, see, uh, after uh, after a season gets to visit the White House and meet mm-hmm. the president. Oh, okay. Uh, Tim Thomas refused to attend. Yeah. Uh, did not want to meet uh, President Barack Obama. Um, which I I don't know. Yeah, that's, it's that's his that's, that's his, his choice. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's d- participating in that is more a recognition of the office than it is of the sure. specific president. So I feel like if I disagreed, even if it were a president that I disagreed with, I would probably still go. But uh, Tim Thomas is free I mean, to do whatever he wants. Yeah, as long as long as he's not hurting anybody and yeah. stopping pucks from going into the goal, that's all I yeah. ask of Tim Thomas. You know. All right. So back to the comment section where people yeah. are arguing about heavy metal. Uh, yeah, and so uh, and it's interesting actually as you guys were talking about whatever horseshit you were talking about. Um, I was uh, looking at uh, Facebook and and uh, and email and stuff, and somebody actually said, "Hey, can you take down this uh, comment that I left in the comment section?" Because uh, yeah, things got uh, things got a little little rough there. Uh, maybe wow. I may, haven't been paying attention. I, I saw the beginning of it. Yeah, keep an eye out there, buddy. Uh, it's it's fascinating, and maybe uh, watch your tongue. Uh, don't talk about uh, music on here. No, yes, thank you. I'm allowed to talk about music. <laughs> this is um, all saying. This is all from me saying that I don't like corn. Yeah, which is to me is not <laughs> yeah. not the not the the the, the grain. Sure, I mean the the new metal band corn um, I'm, I'm not a fan which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a controversial statement there's you would think not uh so there's here's here's actually a thing that i that i do, do corn believe fans have a name like like juggalos or like <laughs> do they have is it like the cornies or like corn stocks <laughs> um so obviously there there are bands and entire genres of music that i do not care for but i I have a hard time judging people based on the music they like and don't like well, because shouldn't. more so, Oh, I'll judge people on movies all day long okay. because for some reason, dramatic arts, and I know that movies are more than just dramatic art, but I feel like I can, I can analyze, uh, I can analyze movies, literature, theater, and film infinitely more like to me music is not unlike uh abstract art where it hits somebody a certain way Mm -hmm. and who am i to say that that way is wrong like i could talk about you know there's a there's a commentator that i that i listen to uh and he talks politics but occasionally he'll dip into art and i almost always disagree with him about movies but he'll also talk about music and he is a classically trained musician and good for him but he will he will use that idea of you know what what music is meant is not necessarily meant to be but like what it always has been what good music is understood to be and he will use that as a reason to dismiss this other type of music and it's like yeah but i think music is more fluid than that and if something hits somebody's ear i can't control what hits my ear huh. a certain way okay and uh but like I don't know with film, I feel like maybe because there's a story and because there's usually there's a story and there are characters, I feel like it invites people in to, 
to empathize or sympathize or what or compare. Whereas music, I I think it's a such a different type of art form like that more, I it's more visceral. It's like it's I like your so. taste buds. You either like tomatoes or you don't. Absolutely, like them. absolutely. And so um so yeah, when it comes to music. Th- don't get me wrong. I might still say like I think that's crap, but if somebody likes it, I have no. I don't. I can't even begin to argue why they shouldn't. So you're a big corn fan, is what you're saying? I love you corn. Come around. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, uh, people be nice to each other in the comments section. Come on. Yeah, be nice, but it's okay to debate things. Sure, absolutely. About corn, about whether or not the newer Iron Maiden album was good. That was the last thing I saw, so I'm not sure where it went from mm. then. From there, um, I thought it was pretty decent. Uh, getting up in arms over something that's a matter of taste is just it's the we i can't it's so weird to me like who cares like do you like this i don't like it like let's go listen to it yeah. and be happy my like, liking this does not you. preclude you from liking yeah, your right. thing it's yeah. so bizarre yeah. like it like i mean people like, like what they like politics i get because you know whoever gets elected can affect everybody sure but you liking corn does not keep me from liking jim white absolutely or maybe it does I don't you can know. like both you can like both. It's to me, it's like podcasts when people say like, <clears throat> and you don't find it so much, but early on in like iTunes comment section, pe- people would say like, don't listen to this pod- podcast, listen to this one. It's like, well, you can't actually listen to both. There's no time slots with podcasts. You don't have to make your choice. You can listen to all of them if you want. Well, not all of them. There are, I think 800,000 of them, but, uh, you can listen to a couple if you like. Um, okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Absolutely marvelous. Just to go back to that, and we can, we can get back to some of your some of your your favorite movies uh, as well. Now, you said earlier that horror movies, by and large, do not scare you. Does Texas Chainsaw Massacre scare you? No. Be I mean, all right. I mean, I can be engaged. I can be engaged with a movie, and I sure. guess get tense, or you know that that yeah. that iconic scene with Leatherface like whips the door open and conks the guy in the head and slams the door. Like you know that's like, ugh. but it doesn't make me like when the movie's over. I'm not afraid to walk home alone in the dark. You know, like it was a movie. It was a thing that happened on a screen. Like I know that Leatherface isn't out there. A Neil walks home alone at night. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually. But I mean, Sorry, I can be. I'm catching up on these. The, uh, the on flame the wars that's going yeah. on in that comments. Yeah. Uh, that actually brings up a, a question that I'm always fascinated uh, by in regards to horror is like when people said, oh, that movie's so scary. There are movies that are scary while you're watching them because you're just, as you say, you're, you're right. engaged. You're engaged. Sure. But then there are the movies where you bring the fear home with you and that happens very rarely for me. Right. And that's like I say, when I was a kid, like Red Dawn did that because I don't, do you remember this movie? Did you like, of course I've seen Red Dawn many, many times. So, you know, like the kids, like the the, the guys are jumping out of the helicopter and then all the kids are under the window and they get like, right. And the the, the teacher goes out to, yeah. uh, Oh my God. To a seven year old. That was terrifying because that like, that felt like something that could happen or, um, uh, the, uh, are you familiar with Pet Cemetery? Mm-hmm. She has the sister Zelda who has spinal meningitis and her body's all twisted up. Mm-hmm. That scared me as a kid because that was, I mean, little did I know that they pretty much just made that like spinal meningitis does not do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the time I was like, that's terrifying. Like, I don't yeah. want that. Like that's, you know, and that like I would lay in bed and like be terrified that I was going to get spinal meningitis, but like monsters and but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a monster. That's not, there's nothing super, supernatural. Right, but there. it's, but it's, but it's on a, like, Leatherface is not coming for me. <laughs> you know, like I just is never a concern of mine. Well, we've got a surprise for you. Hang on, let's open the door here. 
Um, the thing about yeah, Texas I was Chainsaw, more, like I was here, like they'd show in the eighties, there'd be like those commercials for like AIDS when that was brand new. And like, of course I'm seven, there's no way I'm going to get when AIDS, they, but when I they didn't first know. came out with AIDS. <laughs> right, but yeah, I, when, it they, was terrifying. when they were rolling out, but, AIDS. you know, like it was, yeah, they were, you know, informing the public and nobody really understood it. And like, that was terrifying, right. you know, cause I was like, Oh my God, like you get this disease and then just six months later you're dead. Like that, I mean, I didn't really realize how you got it, but like yeah. as a seven year old, that was scary. Like seven Freddy seems Krueger, like it was a rough year for you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm just trying, I don't know. But yeah. The year you started paying attention to things, I guess. Um, the thing I was going to say about Texas Chainsaw is uh, I was reminded when we were doing our zombie commentary marathon recently, mm-hmm. we were talking about Night of the Living Dead, and we sort of had to point out, like, in watching Night of the Living Dead, as, as great a movie that, as that is, you're saying, like, we, we were talking about, you have to remember this stuff was super shocking yeah. at the time. With Texas Chainsaw, you don't have to have that reminder. Like, Texas Chainsaw is just as shocking and unsettling now as it was 40 years ago. And it's just as shocking and unsettling on your... I've seen it probably like six or seven times now. uh, Right, yeah. With the sixth or or seventh time being a few days ago. And my heart is beating just as fast. And I am... It's on. I know how it ends... But nonetheless, like when Sally is in that house and just cannot get out to save her life, uh, quite literally, um, my I'm just like I'm so I'm sweating, my heart is beating fast. I, I feel like I, I know she gets away, but it's just so visceral, uh, and it just so puts you in her right. in her uh, mm-hmm. in her shoes. But you know, like I, like I feel like a good like sports movie can do that too. Sure. You know, where like, you know, like I, I hope they win or like, I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. a matter of engagement, you know, you're engaged yeah. with what's going on, whether it's, you know, you know, but you don't, so you have this experience watching the Texas chainsaw massacre, but then when it's over, let's say you had to walk, you know, you watch this with some friends and then you have to walk, it's two in the morning <laughs> and you have to walk five blocks home. Are you scared walking home? And, uh, I might be, I mean, it's weird. I'm just generally uneasy. But I also I don't think Leatherface is going to come and get me. Right. But just okay. So oh, because you're like your anxiety level is up in general. Yeah. So you might feel and just there. more than anything. Okay. It's I've told this story before. On my old in my old apartment, our our bedroom had a window that basically just led right to the street. And even though there are bars uh, on that window, this there is, weren't. This is in Los Angeles. Yes. Yes. Uh, over on Whitset. Six five five zero Whitset. I don't live there anymore. I can <laughs> yeah. say it. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Apartment one, <laughs> nine zero six. Oh, I don't remember now. Oh boy, that's sad. So anyway, um, but for a while there weren't bars uh, on that window, and then they and then they uh, added them because they realized it was a terrifying neighborhood. Um, that's not actually true, uh, but my landlord seemed to think it was. The guy who was worried about who was feeding the cats—that oh, okay. <laughs> was his biggest concern. Um, but I, I often had this thought because we would leave the window he, he didn't open. Didn't want anybody breaking into the building and feeding any cats. Exactly, exactly. Um, or wanted to, you know, keep the cats in. Uh, so there would be moments when uh, I would like be lying in bed with my back, like on my side with my back to the window, and I would have this thought where I'm like, if I turn around, look, I know Michael Myers' face is not going to be staring in that window. I know that. But if it were, how would I react? And, and so in that same way, I'd be walking down this dark street. Now, if I had five friends, I'm not scared at all because it's just like, all right, the five of us will figure something out. But if I'm alone 
and I have to walk in like a, an abandoned parking garage or something like that late at night. And she's like, okay, now I know objectively no monsters are going to get me. I know that. But if one came for me, first off, this would be the time. Mm-hmm. And also, what would I do? It's like, well, I die is what I would do. I can't fight any monsters yeah. off. This is the experience of someone who is actually scared by horror movies like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, I, but that's not a. I, I love that. I seek out horror movies. I want to be scared by them because I feel like it exercises yeah. uh, something. But uh, one of my uh, most visceral experiences was this was days after I'd seen the movie. But uh, I was in high school. I saw uh, the Blair Witch Project mm-hmm. uh, came out. I guess my senior year of high school, and I worked weekends at Six Flags. Um, I worked. Not in the park, but at the amphitheater, the old glory amphitheater at Six Flags St. Louis, formerly Six Flags over mid-America. Um, and so when I worked, it would be one day a week, it would be a Saturday, and I'd get there early in the morning and be there for the, you know, setting up the show and working the concert or whatever, and then helping break down and move stuff into the into the trucks. So it was an all-day thing. And so by the time I left work, the park itself was closed. So in order to get to my car, I had to walk the service road Oh, boy. around the outside of the park through the woods to oh, get to boy. the parking lot. And I remember this was, yeah, uh, this was not, it's not like I had seen Blair Witch the night before. It was, it had been days, a week or so. Uh, but that was the first time I remember being like a movie that I, the movie that I had seen still scaring me uh, days after because I was walking through the woods. Do you ever do that thing where you're, where you're walking al- alone at night and you're, you know, a little spooked by whatever and you take your keys and you have like the key poking <laughs> out your finger, yes. like just in case you have to punch somebody like yeah. you're walking like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there, uh, my, uh, the last apartment I lived in, in Chicago after, uh, Tyler and I no longer lived together. Um, there was a, like a, Jewish community center that had been burned like arson burned down hmm. and there were like swastikas painted on it and oh, stuff. Wow. Um, and it was a really creepy thing that was on the same block as my apartment um, that I would have to walk past getting off the train in the middle of the night. And I always felt really weirded out there and I would always, yeah, have my key yeah. out yeah. in between it's my like poking out of your knuckles, like just, <laughs> just yeah. in case you got to throw down. So Jen and I were staying, we were, this was years ago. We were in Switzerland, uh, and we were in a small town, the name of which I don't even remember, because uh, Jen was shooting a wedding in that town. Geneva. Gen- that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> uh, and this was like, this was the smallest town we had stayed in, and where everyone was staying was kind of wasn't far away, but it was apart from town, and so uh, we had walked into town during the day and then as tends to happen day turns to night (laughs) and then the two of us had to walk essentially in the dark like whatever light there was came from the moon and that's it we're and it's a mountain community where there are bears (laughs) and other monsters and so we were just this walk probably took 10 minutes if that it felt like an like an hour long, and we we're just walking, and it's and it's like, yeah, me and my best gal are walking along in the dark. <laughs> we all know what's going to happen here. Uh, some monster's going to attack uh, us, and then we're dead. Okay, couple of stories. Okay, one another one, another one about a movie. This isn't a story so much as just a movie that scares me uh, because I've said in the podcast before. The scariest movie I've ever seen uh, 
uh, came out just last year is a documentary called The Nightmare ah, yes. about sleep paralysis. It is the most terrifying movie I've ever seen. I love it. Um, it was my favorite movie of last year. But I will still, it's been almost a year since I first saw it, and I will still sometimes, if I'm laying in bed and not falling asleep right away, I'll think, is tonight the night? <laughs> like, does sleep paralysis start you for me tonight? I, before coming here, I was listening. Are you familiar with the Stuff You Should Know podcast? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I was listening to that, and they were doing an episode on sleep paralysis. And I'd always heard the term, but I never quite understood what it was. Mm-hmm. And I had those same thoughts that you're talking about now. I'm just like, I've never thought about it before, but I'm like, well, great. Now that's uh, yeah. now I got that in the brain. Well, like, you should now, definitely <laughs> watch The Nightmare. Now, when, no, um, no thanks. But when I watched The Nightmare, uh-huh. I realized... Oh, this has happened to me. Right, yeah. But yeah. like once before, and I had I had even recorded about it like months before on more than one lesson. I had said like I had this dream a few days ago. It was really weird, and uh, and then when like I re- chills thinking about the movie, and then when I realized, and then when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, shadowy figure, red eyes, slowly coming towards me, and I can't move. Well, that sounds like <laughs> this thing, and it was uh, very unnerving. Um, but another uh, an actual scary story, something that happened uh, to me. My when I my freshman year of college, I went to uh, as you did, Tyler. I went to Southwest Missouri State University, uh, now known as Missouri State University, whatever in Springfield, Missouri. Um, and uh, I lived in the dorms. And my friend, um, I can picture her. And I can't remember her name right now. But we were just, you know, up late on like in the middle of the week because it's you know we're. 18 years old and this is the first time we've lived on our own just like what are you gonna do like we're not gonna go to sleep uh and we <laughs> and in in carthage missouri which is how long a drive would you say carthage is from springfield gosh i don't hour know hour and a half uh, maybe even shorter okay uh in carthage missouri we knew there was a come and go gas station k-u-m and go which of course we thought was funny um and we were like <laughs> i can't imagine why <laughs> and we and we knew they sold lighters at come and go that had the name on it we were like Let's let's drive to come and go. It's it's literally like one o'clock in the morning. We're like, let's drive to come and go and get lighters. Um, and so we're driving through rural Missouri in the middle of the night, and we're on the this two lane highway, and we approach, we drive past. I swear this happened. At this point, it's probably two thirty in the morning. There's a smallish, like a medium, small to medium sized bonfire, and guys in full hoods and fully covered dancing around the bonfire and they see our car approaching and one of them starts dancing toward the road, like beckoning us, like waving at it, like waving wow. us toward him. Uh, and we drive past and we were, I was, I was kind of laughing at the time, but she was like, what? She was so scared. She was like, we like what, what kind of, are we like Klansmen or like Satanists and, or and like rep- what kind of robes are like, what they are we- weren't white robes. Cause I did not immediately think Klansmen at all. So it might've been a Satanist thing or maybe they were some other kind of Klansmen who wear dark colored uh, robes. But that was a very yeah. scary experience. <laughs> this is the first and, time you've told me this story. Really? That can't and this be is true. this is uh, astonishing to me. Yeah, yeah, that's terrific. That was the because even, we were already on edge because there was a weird, a couple of like weird deliverance style hillbillies in a pickup truck who followed us out of town and were keeping pace with us into the rural part of Missouri for a while. Um, and that kind of freaked us out. And then they, and they were like clearly pulling up alongside us and looking at her, like looking at my friend. It was a very unsettling thing. So we were already on edge. And then we got to Carthage and find out, oh, this come and go isn't 24 hours. It's, it doesn't open until 5 a.m. So, and it's only 3 o'clock. So we drove to the Walmart parking lot, slept in her car for two hours, <laughs> got lighters from come and go, and probably some coffee or something, and 
drove back and I think I went to class <laughs> at like 11 a.m. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a come and go in Nixa. Uh, I don't think we knew that at the time. Oh, yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, and Nick's only would have been about half an hour uh, from Springfield. I right? should say it is located right next to the constant bonfire that we all dance <laughs> around down there in Nixa. So admittedly, that you, one way or another, you're going to f- hit that bonfire. Yeah, I'm sure I must have told you that. This is, I, I, can, I feel like I'd remember, and I okay. do not remember this at all. A guy beckoning you? What kind of wicker man? That's horrifying. I mean, I didn't know the reference at the time, but that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about. There were like four or five guys. I'm assuming guys. They were covered in robes. They could have been uh, any uh, any gender. um, Dancing around a fire, and one of them, yeah, spotted us and left the circle and was dancing toward the road, like waving, not waving and not waving at us. Yes, not he didn't walk toward her. He kept dancing dancing towards you. (laughs) And it was like beck- waving. When I say waving, I don't mean waving like a like a yeah. like on a parade yeah. float. I mean come like, with us to hell like, is what yeah, he's essentially saying. Beckoning us in, like both arms, like welcoming us toward him. That's fabulous. <laughs> that is really something. <laughs> I'm sure they got a kick out of it. They were probably do. They probably did this just to say, let's see how many people we can freak out in the middle yeah. of the night. I'm sure that's the whole point of that. It'd be wonderful uh, if that works. guy was a listener. And then he goes, we got him. We got him. Um, yeah, it's, uh, wow, that's crazy. Boy, oh boy. What a fun Halloween episode this turned out to be. Uh, talking about real life uh, scary things. Yeah, do we have any more? <laughs> any uh, more times we were scared? Uh, well, there was that one time I think I told you, I know I've said this on the on the show before, back at that Whitsett apartment, um, the closest thing I I had to Michael Myers standing in my window looking in, uh, because there was a we had a little patio with a wall around it, right? And it was I believe it was either the evening of Fourth of July or some other big celebration holiday, and I I usually stay up late. And about four a.m., uh, a guy hops over that wall and is there in my patio. Nothing separating him from me, but. Uh, sliding glass door and uh, he's just kind of stumbling around and watch and looking at stuff and it's like okay he's clearly drunk I don't think he means uh, any harm to me but nonetheless I'm going to hold this giant knife and I'm going to call the cops and sure enough he he then uh, sat in one of our patio chairs and passed out and then uh, the cops came in and and uh, and escorted him out and he was not happy to be escorted out so he was like kicking around in my apartment as they walked him through okay so that was scary for a while yeah you gotta hope that guy was drunk enough that he didn't remember where you live right <laughs> i mean now it's you don't it doesn't matter yes it, uh screw somebody the else's yeah <laughs> that's my apartment they're living in it you know <laughs> let's have him uh do like an others situation um and yeah, I can't think of much of much else uh, in my own life that got me to that degree. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to top a bunch of guys in hoods standing around a fire because that's like, that's genuine check, checkmate. Yeah, mine was like a drunk guy uh-huh. uh, stepped on my property. Essentially, <laughs> uh, admittedly, it was it freaked me out. But it was that, a rental. Ex- it wasn't yeah, your yeah, property. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the issue. Oh, you know what? I have no, no reason to be scared then. Because um, he was going after the owner. Um, but you, like, your story is genuine horror movie iconography. That's the thing. You know, you, you for the briefest of moment, interacted with a horror movie. Yeah. That's a, that is, a, oh boy, that's right. astonishing. Well, how, do guess, you sleep, how do you sleep at night? I guess. Uh, <laughs> knowing those people are out there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they've been following us. Mm. Um, 
but like on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're still searching for my friend's car. Uh, <laughs> whose name I cannot even remember. I can picture her. It's so weird. Um, anyway, let's send it, right? Sure, I absolutely. We, yeah, so uh, where's, I was a Teenage Wear Skunk is available on Amazon. Um, we'll give you another chance to plug that in a second. First off, you got to know that this is Battleship Retention, and you can find it at battleshipretention.com. You You've got to know us. that. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or at tyler at battleshipretention.com, especially if you want one of these DVDs. Answer, whom did I see walking with the queen? Uh, Answer that question in in your address if you want. um, The first people to get it right um, will get a DVD. Uh, What else? Your other podcast is called More Than One Lesson. That's right. Uh, And uh, finishing up Halloween times, we finally got around to discussing Bone Tomahawk with the companion film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nice. Um, I don't have another podcast right now. It'll it'll be back uh, probably in the new year. You keep at it, buddy. Uh, Neil, where where can people find you? You, uh, I can be found. uh, Probably Teenage Wear Skunk is, it's all there. All uh-huh. the all the all the Twitter and the Instagram you can you can find it all there if you're interested in how to how to get the movie and all the details it's are. It's lucky for there. you that Teenage Wear Skunk was available. Can you believe <laughs> as a you Twitter handle? But there's a, no. It was, in fact, uh, yeah, I got it. Uh, I, I was I wanted to just be Wear Skunk and make it easy, but there's a lot. There were Wear I have to be Wear Skunk one on Twitter. Somebody else has Wear Skunk. <laughs> some girl in Australia. I I tried. Mm. I, I messenger try to get her. To, it looks like she's one of like she hasn't used it since like 2011 uh, or something. Oh and I'm man. Like, and Twitter won't do anything about it anyway. But yeah, www.teenagewearskunk.com. It's all uh, it's all on there. Well, thanks all so much for uh, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for and having thanks me. for making such a great movie. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope I get to make another one. And thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.